Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is actually Taylor Dammel today. Taylor the Impaler. No shark today, but <laughs> we're brought to you by the Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe to the podcast on whichever device you use. I actually heard Will Sheehy, former Indiana Hoosier forward. Uh, he, he had very jet black hair. I remember that. <laughs> he subscribed, so you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. And Taylor, I actually don't know your your Twitter handle right now. What is it? It Tell is where to look. my name. At Taylor Dammel. Keep it simple. At Taylor Dammel, that's it? That's it? Yeah. Why, right. what, what do I need? What, do I need anything more than that? No, that's good. It's a lot easier. <laughs> it's good. I don't think people know how to spell Subi and Subi232. So go follow us there. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon, Distilled in Memphis and honoring the Memphis Blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. from one of our theater goers, Rob Moran, and I appreciate all feedback. He Friend said of the I program. Was, yep. Yeah. He said I was very flat in the intro. Uh, it sounded like a corpse in the intro, and I, I actually agreed with him. I did. And so coming into today, reading this, I tried to bring as much energy as possible, but it was difficult because I've been so fucking tired all day, man. I am running on absolute fumes, so sleep-deprived, so dehydrated, because we just celebrated the Waste Management Open, and I'm going to really rely on you for a lot of last week and feed stuff because as anyone who's been to the open any Phoenician, any person in Arizona, you know, that this, this tournament falls 
the exact same weekend as Super Bowl weekend. So to to put it simply, college hoops took a backseat this past weekend. Well, you know, Sue, we really deserve Purple Hearts for the amount of perseverance we show during this week. You go to Phoenix Open Wednesday, a Thursday, a Saturday. The Saturday affair is a 12 to 14-hour affair just at the golf course. I mean, in the words of Taryn Subramanian, it is a bad day to be a beer at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, 16th hole specifically on Saturday. So, yeah, it's a little tough, you know, to make sure that you're keeping up with your college basketball news, especially with the Super Bowl, especially you being a Patriots fan, a lot going on this weekend. But, you know, I guess we do our best to uh, keep track of everything. That's why the people need us, Subi. That's why the people need us to keep them informed on what happened this last weekend. Yeah, I I needed you as well. I I, honestly, like, I woke up today and I was like, I don't know what the fuck happened in college this past (laughs) this past weekend. But we have some good recaps, some good upcoming feet to to get to. But I also wanted to shout out Will Sheehy because I I, my 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 obscure references are always for a player that was on a team that did something noteworthy this past weekend, and Indiana beating Michigan State in. In East Lansing, I, again, I had zero idea that happened. So I'm like, I'm finding out about that today. But great win for Indiana. They've been struggling like crazy. So you had to give a shout out to an Indiana player, Will Sheehy. The other guy I was thinking about was Tom Coverdale, but had to oh, go with uh, Sheehy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Coverdale is a fun, uh, played in a national title. But I also <laughs> wanted to give a shout out to Sheehy because at one point in his career, he was a sixth man. Right. And hey, so that dovetails nicely in with what you're doing right now. Well, you got to have a guy that can come in off the bench, a good six man that can provide you with some instant offense, you know, with Jason Terry, a Luke Hancock, if I may, you know, that can really come in, fill in whenever anybody is out. I think I've been filling in for any of your co-hosts on any of your media platforms over the course of the last decade now at this point. And, you know, I'm, um, the pleasure's all mine. Let's put it that way. Serviceable serviceable kind of guy <laughs> yes, someone, to run, someone to run the second team offense yes yeah well i think luke hancock actually now that you mentioned him that might have been an earlier in his career as well because i know damn well on that title team he was starting and no won, for, no he won first, MLP, didn't he? first reserve player of all time to win most outstanding player of the final four he was a reserve player on that team watch watch college basketball from time to time you run a podcast Jesus Christ. Okay. Honestly, my brain's just been complete soup the past <laughs> couple of days. I, although, even if I was sharp as a tack middle of March, I probably would have told you, no, uh, Luke Hancock's a starter. Yeah. I had no idea he came off the bench. But <laughs> that's, why, see, that's, why, that's why Patino's in Panathinaikos right now, and, and yeah. I'm sitting here. Oh, man. You know, with, uh, with what, Dolgis Balbe? What was that the reference from last week? Oh, yeah. Great, great <laughs> Texas guy. They got some names on that team, man. Speaking of last week, I was a little disappointed with your all Asian team, but we can get to that later. I I had I still haven't had time to think of that, but it's going to be a lot of Asians, like or uh, I mean, like Japan and and Japanese and Chinese players for sure. I I, I was just personally a little you know a little um, upset that you didn't include the Bular brothers from New Mexico State, but that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I didn't actually. Those are that's a lot of beef. <laughs> those, low, man. those should be your boys, but I'm not saying. I'm, I'm just saying. So. Well, I think because Varun Ram, I'm pretty sure is South Indian, and the Bullars are for sure North Indian. And I'm uh, a South Indian guy, so uh, well, 
do, do even more research. You'll you'll see that I'm a little <laughs> bit more partial. Sorry. Sorry. I clearly you see this is why I'm the sixth man and I'm not the starter here because I didn't dive in well enough into that. That's all right. Why don't you catch us up on what happened last week and what was some of the good theater going on? Well, some of the some of the feet was uh, not necessarily good theater for us was ASU getting their first win in forever. Bobby Hurley getting their first win against our Arizona Wildcats uh, here right down the street from us in Tempe. But we don't need to focus on that other than saying that the number one team in the Pac-12, Washington, the only team receiving votes from the Pac-12 in this week's poll um, is coming to town this week. And for both the ASU or both the Arizona schools, ASU and Arizona, probably must win games if anyone other than Washington, but especially if the Arizona schools have any shot at winning the Pac-12 title. Washington is 9-0 and in conference, so uh, they're, they got a, de- a decent lead now, um, and if the Arizona schools wants to ke- want to catch up to them, uh, it's probably a must-win weekend for them going forward. But we're supposed to be doing a review. Like we talked about Indiana over the Izzos. That was a big one. Um, Indiana, I don't think they're going to make the tournament, but they certainly needed uh, something to boost them in the second half of conference play. Um, Archie Miller, shout out, has to be happy about that. The one I definitely wanted to get to is your prediction from last week, NC State, who you yeah, said. Good prediction, wasn't on, it? Let, me, let me quote this. Let me, let me look at my notes here to make sure I quote this that NC State, an above-average school in the athletic department, I agreed with that, but you did say that you loved this team and that they were going to run Buzz Williams' team out of the building. On Saturday, NC State scored 24 points for the game. Jesus fucking Christ. That was the only thing that I knew what was happening when we were at the golf tournament, right? You could try and, try and catch up on your, on your ESPN app. And someone in the crowd, or I think it was my other buddy who texted us, just said, or it was Shark, actually. Shark texted us, and he was like, NC State has 24 fucking points in the entire game. 24 whole-ass American points in a college basketball game. I believe that I responded to you with efficient on that. You know, they did play good defense, though. I think they only allowed 47 points was the total that they allowed there. So they really, they really shut Virginia Tech down. Problem is, is they couldn't get a bucket to save their lives. I, without looking at it, that has to be one of the lowest scores. It's gotta be the lowest score of a high major D one school this year, but it's gotta be the lowest score of any D one team. Maybe this year. Is, I, I, I don't know. It's gotta be close. It's gotta be in the running. Is that the worst ACC performance of all time? Like, well, they, I mean, they where the fell, hell am I with that? They were, they fell all the way to the last team receiving votes. They only received 23 coach their points this week from the in the ap poll and what they where they were ranked what 23 before that so not like they were deep into the poll but like they received several hundred votes last week but you score 23 points and actually you know i think it's i they may have received the same amount of votes as points they scored on uh saturday it was 24 or 23 votes is what they received i think i mean it must have just been a completely awful shooting performance had to have been right. I mean, just terrible shots or maybe the shots just weren't going in 24 points. I mean, that's mind boggling to me, dude. I feel like you have to try to do that. I couldn't even do that in, in seventh, eighth grade basketball. You score more than 24 points in, in a half. Without looking at the amount of free throws they shot, let's just go field goals alone. Their percentage probably wasn't that much higher 
than the golfers we were watching trying to hole out their golf balls from 123 yards out on 16. If that's what your comparison is, that's not a good one if you're a college basketball team. I have a feeling this type of game is going to arise in the tournament. Like NC State is going to be rolling. I think they're they're going to make the tournament. I think they're. I still think they're a good team. And oh, you st- think- you still love this team? Or, or well, I don't love them. No, oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's gone no, now. Me, it's it's diminished. I, but this isn't backtracking. This isn't backtracking here. If they had just lost, if they just lost admirably, or if they didn't put up like a school of the blind type type of game, <laughs> I'd be still in love with them, right? I'd still love this team. Whatever. If- Right. 24 okay. points, dude. No, no, no. I got a guy like you got, you can't even call me out on that. I think you just got to say, yeah, soup, get, get out of there. Cap get Barber. Out, out Cap Barber is not walking through that door. Super money. Neither is Julius Hodge, man. <laughs> None of those guys. No. None of those guys. Yeah. So, I mean, look, good, good for Buzz Williams' team. I really thought that NC state number one was a better team. Cause look, Vautech just lost the other night at home against Louisville. So I thought NC state was a better team. I had the rationale last week that, in football and basketball, they always come up with a big time home win on a Saturday. A lot of a lot of different moving parts and criteria there, and it was all set up for that win. Instead, they put up twenty four points. I really can't stress enough how bad that is. I would say that your only problem with saying that they always come up with that big win is that they always seem to be a team that comes up with that big loss as well, really setting them off. You know, oh, like this NC State is re- team is really good. And then they lose the big one too, which is why we only describe them as an average or above average program in everything that they do. You know, you spoke about Louisville there a second ago. I was going to go with Jared Swapshire as my sixth man reference. Wow. Uh, but, but, you know, I figured that uh, Luke Hancock was a better Louisville sixth man than I could reference here today. Yeah, no, Hancock deserves all the love, but just a putrid performance from NC State. What else you got there? Um, from this last week, uh, you know, that's, that's what I had, uh, about Wait, can last we, week. So can we spend a little bit more time on Indiana, Michigan? Did you catch any of the highlights? Cause like I said, at the top of the show, I just found out that they, that they beat Michigan state in well, the Breslin well, center. Well, they scored 79 points. And the last time I think I actually actively watched Indiana, they had put up like two points in the first half a couple of weeks ago or, or whatever the hell that, that was when they played Michigan, was it? Um, but I mean, I didn't catch a lot of the highlights from that game. I was, I mean, I can't believe Michigan state. I mean, I, I, I can't believe Michigan state would lose, especially at home. It's one of those teams that you just kind of, every time they're at home, you assume that it's going to be a win, no matter who they're playing. Uh, I don't know if it was a bad percentage from the field. I don't know if Indiana just had a great night. Looks like Romeo Romeo Langford had 19. Cassius Winston had 26 for Michigan State. So it's not like they didn't have score a scorer in that game. Uh, Indiana even shot 38, only shot 39% from the field, and still, and had more turnovers. This is a game that if we weren't sitting at the Phoenix Open, we would have had a much better handle on it. Because if you look just at this, this box score. Indiana shot a lower field goal percentage, turned the ball over more times than Michigan State. Those are not two good ways to beat a team, especially on the road. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they they shot 50% from three, but Michigan State shot 43% from three. So, I mean, it's not like there is a huge variance there. Yeah, It it sounds to me that Indiana just finally recaptured some of their mojo 
that they had in the beginning of the year. I mean, they've, they've, I think they lost eight straight, right? Most recently, majority of that damage coming within the big 10. But if you told me that they could beat or they did beat Michigan state, let's say early January or late December, I would have, I, with that box score, I would have said, yeah, you know, they were tough enough at that point, but it's, this is a, this is such, I, honestly, I think, this speaks more to Michigan state and how bad of a loss this is. Cause they were rolling. They, I mean, obviously the injury to Josh Langford sucks. That's a huge blow to that team and their right. title hopes. But at this juncture of the season with what Indiana was just coming off of, this is a layup win, man, for a team that's supposed to win a title. These are the types of games that you got to take into account and, and really bury if you want to, I mean, you're, they're battling Michigan. They're battling their in-state rival for not only Big Ten supremacy, but seeding. Man, this could easily this type of loss could drop them from the one line to the two line. So, Indy, your boy has them in as an 11 seed, as the ninth Big Ten school to get in. I mean, who has who? They who can't. Has them in? Your boy Joe Lunardi in bracketology has them as an 11 seed in the tournament. It's so, butterball. It's almost butterball season, baby. So, I mean, they can't be a tournament team, right? Uh, let's just compare them to our Arizona Wildcats, if we may, for example. Okay. The Big Ten is way better than the Pac-12, don't get me wrong. But is, is Indiana being a tournament team a function of them being and the, and the Big Ten being that good? Or just the back end of college basketball teams like Arizona being so bad this year? But you got to get 68, right? You got to you got to fill. And so they may be uh, they may be the ones that get scraped up from the bottom. I don't think that they're going to make it, Taylor. I think that they're they're going to go into a tailspin. But on the flip side, I told you how this could move a team from like Michigan State from the one line to the two. On the flip side, if Indiana writes the ship here, and if they make some noise in the Big Ten tournament, which again I don't expect them to do, but if that happens and they're on the bubble. A win in Michigan State is going to do them wonders, man. Well, and, and the Big Ten is so good that, and you know, you have teams like Purdue, which you guys referenced last week as, as uh, you know, um, being a team that you rode off too early. Well, you did. Shark, still not buying it. But, you know, they have opportunities. Indiana, for example, has opportunities to still go on the road and play at Iowa um, and get a big win there. And then they have Iowa. Purdue, Wisconsin, and Michigan State all at home over the last stretch of the year. They have all of their toughest um, games that remaining are all at home. So that is, at least in for them, a positive to maybe uh, knock one of those other Big Ten teams down or, you know, obviously rise up themselves. Michigan State, they, they have... They actually have a, a decent end to their schedule as well. They have two games at Michigan, but they get Rutgers. They got Minnesota. They got Indiana again. They got Nebraska. I can see them maybe only dropping one or two more games for the rest of the season. They are playing right now against Illinois on the road. Um, but I, I, I anticipate Michigan State being having no worse than like five, maybe six losses by the time we get to the tournament. And that could probably get them a, maybe a one seed most likely a two seed this year. But that brings me to question, say, okay, who are other one seeds here? Virginia. Virginia's got a big game coming up against Duke. Um, And this is really the toughest stretch of their season. They have Duke and North Carolina back-to-back. Is that something that will knock them down from the one seed? Um, 
that that would be my question to you. I don't think it will. I I don't think if they lose both those games and still win out the rest of their games, I could easily see them and the ACC bias. And look, Virginia is a really good team. And I also, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if the best they do is split because I don't think they're going to beat Duke on Saturday and I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it, look, it might drop them to the, to the two line very well. Could Kentucky's playing really well. So whoever, you know, if Virginia drops out, Kentucky very well could get back up to that one line, but I want to go back to your thoughts on Michigan state five, five, five losses, maybe in a bit of a down year, six losses could still get you to a one seed. Dude, they're, they may not even be the best team in their own conference. Right. So Michigan, Michigan, in my opinion, deserves that one line more so than Michigan state. And so the point I'm making is that one loss against Indiana at home is brutal. They're not going to give you that one seed over. I I wouldn't give Michigan state the one seed. If it was between them and Virginia for that fourth one seed, I'd give it to Virginia, even if they lost both of these games to Carolina and Duke because of the level of competition and them being two top 10 teams. So I I really think this is hurting. Your classic good loss if you're a Virginia versus obviously a bad loss for uh, for Indiana. You know, when you look at Michigan, Go ahead. But don't, real quick, don't get us wrong here. I hate we hate the term "good loss," right? You still got to fucking win these games. Well, yeah, right? that's what I'm getting. Like, no, that's what I, I'm I, getting. I get, I get, yeah, yeah. The classic, the classic Georgia SEC football good loss, bad loss. You know, so um, like at some point you got to win some of these, man. But you look at yeah, and even if you look at the difference between Michigan and Michigan State, comparing the two, obviously they still have two games left together. Which let's say they split those just for argument's sake. Michigan doesn't have bad losses. You know, I mean, their loss, maybe their loss at Iowa this week wasn't necessarily a great loss, but it's certainly better than losing at home to Indiana. And then their other loss was at Wisconsin, a a perfectly, let's call it respectable, despite my hatred for Wisconsin, a perfectly respectable, respectable place to lose at on the road in conference play. So let's say they split their games, uh, Michigan and Michigan state. And, you know that then that means that Michigan would clearly be the better team in the conference. It's is is Michigan. That's here's a question for you. Would you consider Michigan one of the mo, more underrated basketball programs of the last decade? Let's call it. Absolutely, I think they're uh, along with them. I would actually include UConn in that because UConn actually has the titles to show for it. I'm not saying how it should be super easy for Michigan to win all these titles, but I can't say that. Michigan is and UConn isn't because UConn doesn't get any love and they actually won the fucking thing. Michigan is, I mean, look, Michigan's been to what two straight final fours or two of the past three years. That's wild. And they've gone up against really good teams. I mean, that Louisville team, like you said, with Luke Hancock and they, you you can make the argument that they kind of got jobbed on a Peyton Siva block. So Peyton Siva, yes. uh, Trey, Trey Burke, I think, was blocking Peyton Siva. And that, that was a bad call. They called it a goaltend. It was a clean block. So that was well, a really close game. And then last year, they just yeah. got their doors blown off by a modern dynasty, a team that's won two of the past three years in Villanova. So I do think that Michigan is criminally underrated. And I think people are just going to say, oh, well, they haven't won the actual thing. Then they'll get more respect. It's not easy, man. <laughs> do you see all these like 25 26 win teams that don't even make it to the second round I right mean, look at michigan state of of late so right. i think john beeline for what he's done in west virginia and also what he's clearly done here at michigan 
criminally underrated coach. Beeline is like a borderline top five coach in college basketball that nobody talks about. He's got more final fours than like all but you know, a handful of coaches. He's yeah. his tournament performances have as like you just said, have been better than your boy Izzo. And Izzo is your boy. That is my yeah. Maybe more than any anybody else, that is your boy. So yeah, it's always amazing to me how little uh I don't I don't think respect because I don't necessarily love the word respect when it comes to this type of stuff, but how little play, let's call it Michigan, gets sometimes when they've been just as good as almost anybody in college basketball over the last 10 years. And especially this year, you know, they're 20 and two this year, they're going to win their conference. They're going to get a potential one seed. I mean, they are, and I don't think people are just going to, I think they'll probably be a popular upset pick as they go through just because people don't got a lot of love for Michigan. It seems like. Well, I'm always wrong on Michigan. It sucks. So yeah, right. Yeah, me too. Well, me too. Well, because the past couple of years they get so red hot in the Big Ten tournament. Like if they win the Big Ten tournament, pencil them in for for the Final Four, man. Actually, pen them in. If they win the Big Ten tournament, you know they're at least getting to the second round. So if they're they're playing skids off the end of a runway, they're going to the Final Four. That's a guarantee. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. Fucking Dockage's (laughs) insufferable son will be tweeting about it too, but. Look, Michigan, Michigan's done an incredible job these past couple of years, and I think you could make the argument that Beeline this year is his, his best coaching job yet because he lost Mo Wagner from last year. He's lost, he lost DJ Wilson a couple years ago, who's a really talented yep. freshman. These are some really good – I mean, these are contributors in the NBA. DJ Wilson's playing on the best team in the Bucks, right? Mo right. Wagner, if LeBron will let him, is getting on the court. So <laughs> these – you know, they, they lost – uh, some some really big pieces from last year's team and two years ago's team and beeline's got them balling again in a very difficult conference so Here's i'm gonna go my oh I, go I was gonna say i'm just gonna go back and answer my own question there for one, one second and say i think the big 10 though still getting nine teams in or excuse projected to get nine teams in is still more of 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 factor or more of a product of called the back end of college basketball being so bad this year rather than the back end of the big 10 being so good yeah no it could be let me ask you this though if we shift to michigan state how much is this josh langford injury going to hurt them well i mean obviously depth is a big factor when it comes to tournament time and um but i don't know it's tough and, and that might almost go back to the same to the same thing that i was just saying is um how good is everybody in college basketball this year anyway? Um, do you think that someone like, you know, obviously someone with, you know, a coach like Izzo, you're going to say he's got a better opportunity to, uh, to make up for that than almost any other coach in the country. Um, I mean, I don't know what, give me your thoughts on it. Well, let me take a step back actually and put on my, University of Arizona journalism hat for a second. Great. I lasted a couple of semesters in that journalism class. That was such a bad question that I asked. Obviously, it hurts Michigan State. It doesn't <laughs> help them. But let me ask you this. Let me rephrase it. Do you think that prohibits them completely from being a Final Four team? Um, no, I don't think so. I think, and actually just as we bring up Michigan again, there are two games at Michigan or with Michigan I think will give us the best look at what their ceiling is for the year you know can they uh beat those level of teams without having depth and um 
you know, the play, I think Langford's averaging 15 points, something like that per game this year uh, up until, you know, or before he got injured there. So replacing that is obviously tough. Uh, but, you know, after that, they still did bring out, let's see, two, four, six, seven wins in a row in conference before their last two losses here. Um, I, I, I still don't think it, uh, it inhi- it's going to inhibit them from um, uh, reaching the final four. If, we, if we're going to reference U of A again, it's not the exact same situation as when we looked at Ashley in 2013 as, the unde- as an undefeated team. Uh, you know, favorite to win the final four. I think we were still thought of as a final four team after that. And clearly we were good enough to be a final four team after that. Were we a final four team after that? No, but but that I think there there are other factors at play when it comes to rooting for a team like Arizona, there's a lot of other demons that maybe inhibit our success, but no, I would say uh, long answer short. uh, I don't think Langford being out uh, in hit prohibits or will prohibit them from being a final four team. We've mentioned that there's a lot of bad teams in college basketball, and that's very true. Like I said, the entirety of the Pac-12 isn't a good conference at all, right? There's some other conferences that are probably only going to get a handful of teams, maybe three, four teams in there. Right. But but the, but the point is, is that there's also some really, really good teams, like very good teams at the top. I'm talking about yeah. a team like Duke who can – maybe win an elite eight game by 15, 20 points, which is kind of unheard of, right? How good Duke is Kentucky right now coming along. People forget that they were preseason ranked number two, which may have been high, but the talent is certainly there and they're playing that way in the sec right now. Right. So you look at Duke, Kentucky, Carolina, I think I mentioned it last episode, Carolina has been on going completely under the radar. And I think it's a lot of it is Roy Williams just completely shitting on his team right now. But yeah, you hear not, you hear nothing about North Carolina. You're not, not hearing a damn any. thing, right? No, I, I feel like I feel like everyone is giving Duke rightfully the most amount of attention, but it wouldn't shock me if Duke goes into the Dean Dome and loses, right? So those are three really good teams. Yeah. Uh, Michigan, obviously, we we talked ad nauseum about Michigan. So while you're right, and this is thinking about how does a team get to a Final Four, at some point they're going to have to play the cream of the crop. And this is easily the most unpredictable tournament of all the sports. We get that. So it may not even be worth having this discussion right now, but the rest of college basketball teams below Michigan state, I would actually say that level right there. If you go one or two slots behind Michigan state, those are probably the teams that you're like, eh, I'm not really buying into them, but the teams above Michigan state, I don't yeah. know if they have the firepower to beat them to get to a final four Yeah, Michigan without State, Langford. Right. Michigan state is a good line of where they're at in terms of uh, who should be favored going, you know, in deep in the tournament to not, you have the teams directly behind Michigan state at this point and 10 Marquette, 11, Virginia tech, Virginia tech's not a final four team, my opinion, uh, no, fuck no. No, Houston, Houston. Uh, they're just up there. Cause they only have one loss in my opinion. Kansas always going to be there, whether I'd like to say that or not, they are. And then you got Nova and Purdue rounding out the top 15. Purdue's not a final four team and Nova, you know, they're not as good as previous years, but they have definitely played well as of late. And I, you know, I, I can't count them out because of their recent success either, but Michigan state at nine seems to be that, that line because North Carolina, Michigan, Nevada, Kentucky, Gonzaga, Virginia, Duke, Tennessee, all, you know, definitely viable final four teams. And I think you're correct in saying 
yeah, beating those eight teams ahead of them without Langford, I think that uh, that that's going to be a problem. But you're only talking about playing those type of teams once you get to the Elite Eight anyway. Right. And the Elite Eight is right. generally, no matter what happens, no matter who's there, the Elite, elite Eight is generally a coin flip anyway. So um, that's, that's, again, why I'd say it's not going to inhibit them from being thoughtful. I think they're still the squad they got now. And once you, if you get to that point, it's just flip a coin. The ball bounces yeah. here or there, and that's, that's the only difference in my mind, a lot of the time at least. I'm pretty upset at myself, actually. I might go take a lap because I forgot my sweet boys from Reno, Nevada. Those are my guys. So I'm actually going to put them at the one line. How about that? I was going to say, I mean, the Martin brothers are are like your A1, day one top guys this year. So I can't <laughs> believe that you weren't leading this with, can Michigan State beat the likes of Nevada and Muscle Milk this year? Yeah, they probably can. But look, <laughs> I love, love Nevada. And no, don't take me seriously. Obviously, they're not going to be a one seed. But I, if, look, if it's up to them, or Gonzaga in some weird world where we're on selection Sunday and Nevada and Gonzaga is battling it out for a one seed. Give it to the Wolf Pack, baby, please. Luna, Luna, even Luna, though Gonzaga beat Duke, even though Luna, Gonzaga beat Duke, I'm, this is just me being a hater. That's all. Lunardi's only projecting Nevada as a four seed right now, and I'm not trying. I know that's like a my four. third. That's like my third Lunardi reference. Obviously, he's not God here. Hell, you know, I'm just saying seed? this is what this is what the 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 thought of the country is or at least one short man, short bald man, uh, who speaks for a lot of the people in the country or shares his knowledge with a lot of people in the country. But yeah, only a four seed. Yeah, I don't, I don't pray at the altar of Joe goddamn Lunardi, okay? I, no. I am a Rothstein man. I want to know what he has to say. If he has to say that if they're a four seed, then I actually may have to reevaluate my, my allegiances because you know, I do love Nevada that much. If, you know what Rothstein would say right now? In all caps, he would say, it's only... February. And that's what uh, I guess part of the problem with Nevada is here is it is February and they don't really play anybody else coming up. So well, it's going to be hard for them to, to get any higher than where they're at because, yeah. you know, they play that same type of in-conference schedule as Gonzaga does, obviously. And that is the, uh, uh, that's like North Pole high school, my high school, for example, I'm pretty sure they're on the schedule, uh, you know, so Warrow High School down the street from here, they're probably on the schedule too. Uh, that's going to be your problem with is going back to those quality wins and losses like we talked about. Nevada's not going to have very many of those. Right. Gonzaga clearly does with the win against Duke. But it's, re- yeah. goddamn, it's re- goddamn ridiculous, though, that when you look at a Gonzaga game on your ESPN app and you see the line at like 28 and a half, I mean, what is this? This is conference play for fuck's sake. Like, Help me out here, West Coast Conference. I, I know. Please. My uh, whenever my grandparents who are from Spokane are talking to them, and they're like, "Oh, we got to make sure we catch the Zags game tonight," and I'm like, "For for what?" Point differential, right? Yeah, right. What are you going to watch for the first ten minutes to see if the other teams at least going to actually trot out their lineup? Or I mean, what's what's yeah. what? What do we have to watch here? Yeah, I'm just a little mad at that team. <laughs> What else? Anything else that I missed? Like I said, this this past weekend has just been uh, a weekend filled with beer, terrible food, golf, sleep deprivation, buffalo chicken dip. What else did we miss? Um, I you know I'd be right there with you. I I think I ate four peanuts total uh, on Saturday at the Phoenix Open. 
a little tough to recap everything when uh, we didn't have a lot to watch or we didn't watch a lot this week compared to our normal. And, you know, I hate to say that because now I sound like one of those people that I constantly complain about where uh, I always say, uh, does anybody actually watch college basketball that talks about it? Today, I'm one of those people. That's okay. <laughs> I hope. That's all right. This, this past weekend, I'm going to give us a, a pass on this past weekend. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, you know, I will say yesterday, if we're looking at yesterday, when I was a little more in a cognitive state, uh, Louisville did have a nice win on the road at Virginia Tech, speaking of Louisville for the third time. Um, and then Iowa State, they, uh, and your boy, Muriel Shayak, um, nice little game uh, on the road at Oklahoma. Not that Oklahoma's good, but again, another in-conference road game against a at least half-decent-ish team, or as we should just say, just a conference road game. Uh, it was a close one, and um, they did pull it out last night by one. I don't know if you caught this, but the spread was three last night on this game. And Oklahoma, oh, I did see that. Oklahoma hit a meaningless three at the buzzer. It was like down. a running three, too, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, down four. Just kind of flip it up. Yeah, whatever, you know, game's over. And that flipped the spread one way to another. I'm sure we'll see that on SVP's bad beats, or I'm sure it was on SVP's bad yeah. beats last night. Cool. So let's take a look at upcoming feet this week. Got some good games. I'm going to start first and foremost. Houston at UCF. To quote Rothstein, UCF, more than just a football school. We'll see if that happens this weekend. Very excited, or, excuse me, this week. Very excited to see how they do. You mentioned Houston. The only, they only have one loss. I think Kelvin Sampson's done a tremendous job, actually, of bringing them back to relevance. So Houston at US, UCF, excuse me, first point I want to make, the American Athletic Conference is sneaky decent. So you got Houston, who's clearly the cream of the crop. UCF might be a tournament team. I think Johnny Dawkins is down there coaching them. I'm not sure. You got Cincinnati, who's crept back into the top 25. They're hovering around that 20 to 25 range with Cumberland, crazy Mick Cronin. That like team's they, always there towards like the bottom. They do it, like they do every year. Yeah, right. Every year. That, that's, that, that's their dojo, man. That is their spot, that 20 to 25 range. And they're probably going to win one game and then lose the second game. No real expectations, but they're, they're decent. And then, look, Memphis is having a bad year, but I got to give Memphis some love. This is obviously a Memphis-based podcast, but Memphis has James Wiseman coming in next year. I know that's not this year, but <laughs> that counts for something, right? They, they won the recruiting battle over yeah. everyone this year in terms of getting the number one player in the country. So the American Athletic Conference, sneaky decent. I didn't think that at all because Cincinnati looked awful earlier on in the year, and I don't think anyone predicted that Houston was going to – be as good as they are right now you know speaking of the american the next team in line that we left out in is temple i don't know if you've heard of my man shiz alex or shiz alston jr at shiv shiz shiv? two z's two z's oh okay shiz alston would have been a lot jr. cooler if it was just shiv believe it oh, or not you. no relation to rafer alston shout out skip to my lou he's mm-hmm. averaging 18 5 and 3 his Twitter handle at international shiz. Take a look at him as a sleeper team as you go towards the conference tournament there in the American conference. Um, it's weird when you look at the American conference standings too, you know, when we talk about that, they're kind of sneaky, good Yukon, Wichita state two, you know, two 
tried and true programs, let's call it, not even really in the conversation for, you know, the conference at all. I think, I think Wichita state is either 500 or around 500. They, they're nothing this year. And, you know, I, it's one of those teams I often, you're like, or I, I was looking and I'm thinking to myself, Oh yeah, Wichita state's in the American. Like I did (laughs) not something that I think of, but Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you look at this Houston, uh, Blake Bortles game here, um, you have taco fall taco fall biggest, probably the biggest name guy. Well, biggest guy, biggest name guy in this game, your classic seven foot six man that only averages seven boards a game. Taco fall has been relevant for, I don't know how long, man. He was relevant. I think a big cat or someone tweeted this, like, he was relevant when there was vines, when vines was a thing. <laughs> you know that vine of taco fall, that like really short fat kid in, in high school basketball who's supposed to guard taco fall and he's like, I don't know what you want me to do. He literally has his palms up in the air, has zero clue how to defend this behemoth. And I'm just like, how long has taco fall been in college, man? It's I mean, absurd. It- and I don't want to put him in the, I don't want to put him in the Van Wilder house because seven rebounds is not getting your ass to the Van Wilder house nor playing for UCF in terms of relevance is going to do that either. But I feel like he's been in college forever, man. And seven well, rebounds is an atrocity. You know, for referencing vines, it looked like Terrio was guarding him in that vine. If I remember, mm-hmm. get a right to get a right Terrio. But good. you know, taco fall does re- remind me of, uh, you know, a couple other of those guys that those seven, six, it's really interesting that seven, six, it, you know, those guys never seem to be good. Seven foot two guys seem to be unbelievable. Seven foot six guys are, are just trash. And I, I, maybe that's the limit. I don't know. Uh, I'm not seven foot anything. So I wouldn't know how my bones feel at, at that tall. But uh, do you have a, a prediction of any kind for that game? Or, I mean, I know it's on the road. Uh, Houston does only have one loss this year. I Houston mean, I, won that game. yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's going to be Houston, but is it, I, I, I mean, are are we only do we only talk about UCF and does the media only talk about UCF because they have a guy like Taco Fall? They are good this year, don't get me wrong, but I mean, does the casual person only talk about UCF because they have Taco Fall? I actually think they're talking about them this year as a legitimate team. They're, right. I think they're going to be a tournament team, which is great, right? I also think the Johnny Dawkins factors uh, sure. factor is is in that as well. Former Duke player, Stanford head coach. He's been around the game for I don't know how long. He knows what he's doing. He's he's a good coach. I think he just didn't have the talent in Stanford, which is obviously on him. He's got to recruit, but he's he's found a good niche down there in the American, and he's doing well for UCF. That's the only reason I pretty much know him, though. Is yeah, I mean, sure, sure, because yeah. he's he, and look the fact that he's seven six. You have a handful of college basketball players that are that big. You remember Kenny George. For UNC Asheville oh, yeah. a couple or a while back, I should say, Kenny George. There's some. Uh, who's the guy on uh, UCI? The Anteaters. Who? Uh, N- 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 Njai. 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 That's right. Yeah. Njai. That guy. There. There always seems to be that one monstrous guy that every four years comes along. The only issue is that I feel like Taco Fall was Dean up Kenny George and Njai. And those guys were from like my balls hadn't even dropped when those guys were were playing right. So. I don't know. Taco Fall, that's that's how I know him. And also, the Rex Specs. People know him because of the Rex true. Specs, I feel that's like, too. That's true. That's true. Um, but as a 7'6 guy, 7 rebounds, that's what he's averaging right now? Yeah, 10 and 7. 
Jeez. Yeah. He's going to have to do better than that if they want to like actually make, have it be a lock for the tournament. So, well, he's shooting something like 77% from the field. Is it, I mean, those got to all be layups. And well, that's, I, you know, no, to be right. I'm not a college basketball coach. Don't get me wrong, but wouldn't you think like you'd be able to get a seven foot six guy more than four or five buckets a game if he's shooting 75%? Oh, yeah. I, it must be I, really difficult passing to the post. Especially in today's world of let's all shoot threes 24-7. You don't think we can't bundle the, the seven-foot-six guy in there to get a, at least like seven to eight dunks a game, maybe? Is is Taco Fall trying to drift out to the perimeter and be a shooter? That would be the most aggravating thing if I was his teammate. I would be like, get back on the block right now. I also can't imagine how many money lobs – or dime passes that he's been on the receiving end of where he just drops it or just he's too big to do anything. Right. I'm not saying he's, yeah. he's not an athlete. He's clearly a freak athlete. If he's playing D one ball at that height, but there's gotta be some opportunities that have gone wanting and his teammates uh, are probably like uh, you big freak. Well, hundred percent. You know, you UCF's one of those teams too, that uh, even though you and I, we have every sports package in the world to watch this team on. They're not on that often to be no. able to catch these teams, you know. So I, I do make fun of the national media a lot of the time for not watching like Pac-12 games and major conference games. I don't think I can blame a lot of people for not watching UCF games on the whatever channel the American has there. Do they like do they CBS Sportsnet or whatever channel? I think seven. ESPN, actually. ESPN too. Uh, are they okay? Then they're and, and well, UCF. I just feel like I not, see Cincinnati they're just not on that. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. They're not. They're yeah. not on all that yeah. often. You know, someone could fact check me on that. I'm sure, but usually there's another game on this probably has a little more prominence than the UCF game on any particular night. Like for example, if they were going up against, say, oh, what's on tonight? Michigan State, Illinois. I'd be watching Michigan State, Illinois over like the Houston UCF game. 100%. So that's Houston UCF. I'm going to take Houston in that game and just look out for Taco Fall potentially getting a double-double if UCF <laughs> is lucky. Let's move on to more upcoming feet. Wisconsin at Michigan. Revenge game for the Wolverines. You talked about Michigan and how they their only two losses are against solid teams in Iowa and Wisconsin. The first loss of the year came on the road in Madison. Huge revenge game uh, for, for the boys from Ann Arbor. I actually think this is going to be close because, again, as much as it pains both of us to admit, Wisconsin's rounding into form. I didn't know how they pulled this off because they're just not a very good team on paper, but that's how every single team is. So uh, shame on us for for counting Greg Gard out, Silent Assassin, John Rothstein. But while it is going to be close, I'm taking Michigan. Strictly, they're a better team, and they're going to be fuming. They're going to be fuming at that loss in Madison because they actually had it pretty close towards the end. But give me Michigan in this game. It's going to be a great one, a great Big Ten atmosphere. Yeah, you know, I mean, it it pains me every year that Wisconsin somehow scratches to be good, even when you look at, you know, like they weren't good last year. And you think to yourself, oh, thank God, finally, (laughs) they're going to stop being good. And they rise up to be ranked. They just beat a decent, you know, a, a ranked, don't get me wrong, but a decent Maryland team last week. Um, Ethan Happ's still there. Um, obviously, that's the main anchor of, of that whole team is, is, is Ethan Happ and has been for a couple of years, along with Trice. And then you got uh, old Brad Davis in there. 
who's, you know, just your classic white Wisconsin guard that just annoys you the entire time. It's amazing how every one of their teams just looks like a Wisconsin team. Like you just know, you just know you could, you could not even put their jerseys on and just stand all these guys up in a row. And it, and they would look like, you'd be like, Oh, that's, that's a Wisconsin team. A hundred percent Wisconsin itself. Cause there's other teams like Wisconsin, right? You got teams like Iowa, maybe even Iowa state. Actually, no, I, Iowa state, uh, Iowa state's not as white as these other teams, but <laughs> a team, a team like Iowa, right. You, you look at, these players and you could say, Oh, they could play for, you know, either Wisconsin or Iowa. No, no, no. They're clearly Wisconsin Badgers because there is a distinct look and play to those guys for sure. Even a guy like Khalil Iverson, you know, just like a thick guard. You know, they, always, they always have oh, that guy. They do. <laughs> they do. And it's just the most annoying thing every year. You know, at least they don't have people. I will say this team's much more tolerable than the Frank Kaminsky, uh, teams, but yeah, I don't even, I was just didn't even want to say his name to be honest with you, but, um, yeah, Wisconsin's good, but I don't think, you know, just kind of going back to our first discussion of where we're drawing this line on good teams versus great teams or however you want to say that Wisconsin is a good team. They're not a great team. Michigan is great team. I mean, that's, that's, uh, I don't really think there's any two other way to put it. Then you got a great team at home against uh let's call it a rival you know not not a not an arch rival but a, a rival two teams that have been uh, kind of at the top along with michigan state of the big 10 for the last decade uh i'm gonna take michigan with you as well because i'm looking i think the same reason that you said a at home b uh coming off a uh you know a, a loss and then also a revenge game against wisconsin too so yeah i'm with i'm with you on that michigan Let's stay on the theme of revenge games. And this is, again, two top three teams they met just a couple weeks ago, maybe even just last week, I forget. But Duke now travels to Charlotteville and has to play Virginia. Again, like I said, big-time rivalry game uh, in the ACC right now, and even more so a revenge game for Virginia. They're going to want to come back and give Duke give Duke a, a, an L when they miss their opportunity without Trey Jones playing in that first game with, for Duke. And Virginia, I said after the Duke game, I was like, can Tony Bennett win a big-time game? I, I, I don't think so. I don't think he's going to win these types of big-time games in the tournament. I actually think that his loss against UMBC, obviously not a great look. You, that's, that's obvious. But I also feel like that loss kind of made everyone feel sorry for him and take take up for him and, and is in his corner. Like if you even come close to critiquing Tony Bennett, it's like, whoa, 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 his resume speaks for itself. Don't just judge him based on the UMBC game. But in reality, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I am going to judge him on losing, being the first team ever to lose to a 16. I am going to judge him on losing, choking away against Syracuse in the elite eight when they had a direct line of sight to the final four. And they let a guy like a Tyler Lydon led team in Syracuse <laughs> go to the final four. Stop. So I'm going to judge him on those two points. I'm also going to judge him on losing at Cameron without Trey Jones playing in the game. You are fully loaded, man. You got Ty Jerome. You got uh, DeAndre Hunter, who's their best player, Kyle Guy, and my boy, my dog, Jack Salt. 
all those guys are going. There's zero, there's zero room for them. They should have won that game because Cameron's obviously an almost impossible place to play. Duke in their own right, just because they lost Trey Jones doesn't mean that they're terrible. So I'm not contradicting myself here, but if you're going to put Virginia up in that, people are calling them the best team in the country, right? Even though we're seeing what Duke and the other guys are doing, people there, there's a section of people that say Tony Bennett and Virginia are the best team in the country. And so I'm going to reserve that. And I actually think at full strength, and I think Duke's going to shoot the ball relatively well. I think they go into Charlottesville, and I think Duke wins the season series. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Duke is losing as a half to Boston College as we speak. Breaking news here uh, on the podcast. Your boys from BC. You know, it's tough because I think Duke is is tough to, I don't want to say tough to predict this year, but you you seem dumb when you say, oh, Duke's going to lose a game. But then you don't get anything out of predicting they're going to win a game either. It's like, oh, well, yeah, duh. You know, have you watched Zion Williamson? You ever watched SportsCenter before? You know, so it's tough to ever think that Duke is going to – there's no good way to predict a Duke game because you either look like an idiot or you just look like the most obvious guy in the world. That being said, I don't really – it's tough to buy Virginia every year because they're the same team – every year by the way kyle guy still only a junior somehow by the way one of those guys that at least to me seems like he's been there forever a perry ellis of sorts um you know i mean virginia's obviously very good they are the best defensive team in the country i don't know the stats off the top of my head but year after year they're the best defensive team in the country um but that doesn't necessarily as we've seen translate to any tournament success or maybe even into a lot of big game success especially when you play freaks like zion williamson and rj barrett and cam reddish and all those guys you know so yeah i don't think i don't want to say virginia doesn't have a chance this weekend because that's you know maybe they obviously do but i just think they're kind of one of those teams which you and i talk about this off air all the time programs are somehow just always what they are and Virginia is a lot like the our alma mater in Arizona is it's like, hey, they're always a great defensive team that makes it to the Elite Eight. Yeah. And Sick. and can't score more than like 55 points in their Elite Eight game. At, and that's their maximum ceiling. Last year aside, and I know that that loss last year is obviously a tough one, like you just said, to base everything off of. But that is the problem in playing with the style that they do is if a team lights them up, they don't have the ability to fight back all that hard from an offensive level. And that's, I think what we're going to see here on Saturday. And uh, I, I definitely do not think that they're the best team in the country. I could definitely see them being a, you know, a top 10 team, but, you know, going back to our earlier references in Michigan and even Michigan state, I, I would easily take Michigan over Virginia. I think like without, second thought at all i'd take michigan over virginia and i would probably even take michigan state over virginia and maybe that's just a name thing alone because i know Izzo gets it done in the tournaments and that maybe that's a very casual uh way to predict something like that but i just don't buy into that style of basketball year after year maybe five or six years ago i, I bought into it a little more but I just don't buy into it as much now because you fall down, you get you you fall down, punched in the mouth. You're down by twelve, and it. I mean, it takes them 
10 minutes to score 12 points sometimes, you know, and that's just not a, a winning style of basketball when it comes to the biggest games they play against the, the most athletic, most skilled, toughest teams in college basketball. What I'm looking forward to after this game is to see how Zion played, because if you've been listening since day one to any of the episodes, first episode, I asked the shark, are you in, are you in on Zion? And then after week one, week two, I asked him, are you in on him? And I, he said something to the effect of, let me see how he does in Chapel Hill, how he does in Charlottesville, how he does in those gauntlet road games. This is now the time where Zion has to truly make his mark. He's been amazing so far, obviously. Right. Well, but and this is if he comes out and balls in Charlottesville, man, real, real deal. And I just want to make fun of Shark for that. That's all. Well, that's true. But this is one of those type of games, too, that the the difference between the NBA Zion as the NBA player and Zion as a college basketball player might be seen because you don't play this. You don't, you're not going to see the style of a Virginia, obviously in the NBA, everything's closed down, no space. So it's a little tough to say, Oh, maybe this guy isn't as good as he is because they played a team that slows the ball down to only like six possessions a half and just pack lines you into oblivion. But I still think he's going to crush them on, on Saturday regardless of whether who's out on the court Kyle guys not guarding Zion Williamson I can tell you that for goddamn sure last game of the weekend that we want to alert you a good upcoming feat Nova at Marquette big tilt in the big east I wrote off Nova I wrote them off if they win at Marquette I will officially say that I fucked up I'm not ready to completely admit it just yet because if Marquette wins, then they're still in the driver's seat for for the Big East title. Uh, that would be they would have the tiebreaker with with Nova, and then obviously they have to play him again. But Nova at Marquette's going to be a huge game, and it's going to determine who's the best team in the Big East thus far. And like I said, if Nova wins this, though, we could all be in trouble again because we talked about how Carolina's flown under the radar. If Nova wins this game, they'll probably be back in the top ten, and Watch them make another insane run because they've been the most consistent team easily of the past five years or so. They've gotten two titles out of it, something that a lot of teams aren't able to do. It seems like them and UConn, Duke, take advantage of their time in the tournament and in the spotlight. This is going to be a huge game for their tournament resume, for sure. And I'm actually, I think, okay, I want Marquette to win because I want to be right. But I think Nova actually continues to steamroll this conference because everyone's so goddamn afraid of them. I mean, I, I, I'm hoping for Marquette. Um, I was on Marquette's campus this summer. Awful campus. But I do love Marcus Howard. Um, I, I, I'm still not over the Javon Quinterly Arizona thing. That's, I have bias in that. But this Nova team reminds me a lot of, uh, again, for like the 17th reference on this episode, Michigan State teams of years past where they have like three losses early and you don't hear from them and then it's tournament time and it's like oh they got a three seed oh yeah yep. they're pretty good oh they've they've run off like 14 in the last 15 huh oh huh okay and that's kind of what this team reminds me of yeah and, and then you look at their their road to the final four in the brackets and you're like wait a minute they could easily do this yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, you, you got there's nothing really that needs to be said about Jay Wright or the program as a whole when it comes to tournament success. 
obviously this team isn't, uh, let's call it, as talented or as uh, experienced necessarily um, as previous years. But that being said, uh, they still got guys from last year. Um, They still have a winning coach. They have that winning mentality, let's call it. And as, as, you know, as light as it is to say that, or as dumb as a, as a reason that is, it still does take you a long way in college basketball sometimes. Absolutely does. So this upcoming weekend is going to be very tasty. I want you guys to think of it like a force course meal. Those are my favorite four courses right there. So Houston at UCF, you can think of those are just the nuts. I just, I'm, I'm into it for like, those are just your little peanuts. Those are, uh, you know, that's, I'm just in it for taco fall. That's it. <laughs> and to see if Houston loses. So those are your peanuts, right? Your side salad, your starters, your, your little appetizers, right? Maybe a little pig in a blanket, Wisconsin at Michigan. That's going to be a really good game. Very competitive game. And again, revenge game. Main course, right? Your main course is going to be the filet mignon, duck confit, if you will, right? The chicken cordon bleu, Duke at Virginia. That's going to be an awesome game. Might be the game of the year. Two of the best teams in the entire country. Last but not least, your apple pie, perhaps. <laughs> little ice cream, okay? Nova at Marquette. So those are going to be my big four games to watch. Uh, very much looking forward to it. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and round out this episode with a couple segments. Hug for you. It's hug time. This is going to be your first hug to give out. Who are you giving it to? Well, you know, I was going to hope that I could actually give out two hugs. It's a beginner's episode here. Uh, my first big hug, hug. A big hug. Get all my arms out here. Wingspan. Uh, I'm going to give a big take me home country road style hug for our, our man Huggy Bear down at West Virginia. Ranked 13th preseason this year, and they are just atrocious. They are bad. And I mean, they even got people, they got their boy Trout, Grayson Allen style, tripping people on the bench, getting ejected by get at, at games, getting blown out by 30 on the road to uh, Texas Tech uh, yesterday. Just uh, feel bad for my boy Huggy Bear. Uh, probably spending a good amount of time at the strip clubs during this season, knowing him, uh, because that's about that's about all he has going for him right now. And then my second hug is going to be a big group hug for all of us. Not that I don't love football, which I do just as much as everybody else in the country. But uh, now that football is over, college basketball and basketball as a whole takes the main stage for the next two months, especially. Uh, it's already February 5th. We've only have, we only have like three weeks till March Madness and conference tournaments and all that type of stuff starts. So group hug for all of us uh, college basketball fans because it's the big time now. I was sharing the love right there. And yeah, Huggy's team is fucking awful. They are terrible. I completely forgot that they're ranked 13. I actually want to rewind and go back to the first episode, see what I had to say about them, because I have a feeling I was really wrong. I think I called them just lukewarm. I didn't think they were going to be really good. I think I just said that they were just going to be an average team, but they're what, three games below 500? I remember at one point watching it last night, they were almost down 40, 40 whole points. They are bad. They are bad. Hug for Huggy. My hug is going to go to Sylvia D'Souza if we're staking around here in the Big 12. This is actually a legitimate hug. I think it's so ridiculous that he's been suspended for two straight years. For two years, he's got to serve some some penalty, right? The NCAA is so absurd and so just corrupt 
that they've completely sidewinded this guy's career, right? Forget about his collegiate career. Let's talk about the, the amount of money that this is costing him at the next level. Sylvia D'Souza very well could have been a first round pick. This is all hurting his stock like crazy and for something so minuscule. And I, I, I look, I don't have any sympathy for Kansas, right? As a, as a guy whose who's alma mater is going through some bullshit like the Mark Schlebaugh story in the FBI investigation, <laughs> the more the merrier. If you want to come down in the mud with us, if you want to get persecuted as well, come on in. I don't have any sympathy for you, right? Especially because it's Kansas. Kansas wins all the time. Yeah. But I actually feel bad for him. I feel bad for D'Souza, and I actually agree with Bill Self when he said this is just straight up mean-spirited. <laughs> I think at that point, Bill Self is even saying to himself, I thought I could have won this. I think his thought process is, look, we'll fight this. The NCAA is bad, but maybe you'll, you'll get off with a X amount of game suspension. You'll come back. He came back for the tournament last year, but the NCAA just threw the hammer down on this poor kid. And now what are his options, man? He's got to go play overseas for a little. When can he declare for the draft? This is all just such bullshit for D'Souza. And obviously it's bullshit for Kansas, who's already down a man, a big man in Doak Azabuke. They could have used Sylvia D'Souza, or D'Souza this year. And the NCAA, man, just completely sidewinded this poor kid's career. Well, it's annoying because the NCAA, I mean, there's no consistency in anything that they do. And as dumb or smart, which they don't do a lot of smart things, but as dumb as everything that they do, the dumbest part about it is there's not a lot of consistency in anything that consistency in anything that they do. You know, we look, you look at someone, you reference what does it do for his basketball career as a whole. You know, we had Alonzo Trier in Arizona the last two years, who was one of the best guards in the entire country, a borderline All American for the last two years. He had an NCAA issue and didn't even get drafted, and he actually played basketball. D'Souza hasn't even gotten to play at all. So, you know, I mean, you're, you're talking about taking tens of millions of dollars out of, uh, out of this guy's pockets for, like you said, virtually nothing, you know, definitely nothing that is uh, this serious in terms of, uh, you know, ruining an entire guy's career. Look, I think Kansas has been down this road before. If you remember Cliff Alexander, huge prospect out of high school, I think from the Chicago area, committed to Kansas and again I don't know the details of that but he I don't think he suited up for them at all and Cliff Alexander was going to be projected the year after to be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft easily no one's heard from Cliff Alexander since man so these have serious ramifications on these kids even look at a guy like Sheck Diallo Sheck Diallo's carved out a decent career thus far I think he's on the Pelicans right now I'm not sure he was in the NBA last I checked but Sheck Diallo is another one that was ruled ineligible, I believe. So I want to give a serious hug to Sylvia D'Souza uh, moving forward. And honestly, best of luck to him, I suppose. Last segment here this uh, week in feet. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I said, didn't like Billy Preston have the same issue too? Billy Preston. Also, I feel like I've also, left. Speaking of Kansas big men. I know, no, no, I know. I'm not saying it's like the same exact scenario, but yeah. it's like, it's like every year Kansas has a big man that, uh, that is like suspended or, or not eligible or didn't clear or something like that. Sorry, I interrupted you there, but I was like, I know we're forgetting one other big man from Kansas that had like the same problem. No, I'm glad you interrupted me because this again goes to me saying that I don't necessarily feel bad for Kansas. And <laughs> right, Bill exactly. Hull, right? I think in this individual particular moment, I feel bad for D'Souza 
and I agreed with Bill Self. The rest of it, though, I'm pretty sure Billy Preston's a goddamn idiot. Didn't he, like, crash a car that was given to him? Yeah, I, I, I think that was all his fault, but, yeah, I still was just yeah. thinking of the... No, the I'm glad, I'm glad you called that out, because I was getting a little too mushy with Kansas here, so... <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad you, just, you just said the words, I agree with Bill Self, so I had to take you down a peg there. Yeah, I appreciate that. People helping people. All right, very last segment here, This Week in Feet. This week in feet, Bruce Morris, Marshall University, hit the longest shot in a college basketball game. And so my biggest takeaway from this is that you don't see it anymore, right? You don't see kids. If it's not like a set three-point shot, they're not shooting it, man. End of half, uh, I am not going to ruin my, my field goal percentage. And it's robbing us of great shots like this. Right. You guys should go YouTube it. I think uh, he played for Marshall. It was off of this. It was off of a block and he's running towards his own hoop. He's basically on his own baseline, turns around and just hurls it at the hoop, buried it. Classic, classic. I think when we were looking at this today, I think I'd only seen it in like a montage type of scenario of like great college basketball moments. Um, I will say, if I may, that uh, this week in feet, in 1876, Spalding was uh, was started, and you know the supplier, the first supplier of basketballs to us here in the world. So I think we all we owe a little bit of this podcast to uh, to Spalding there and uh, their investment in basketball is about 140 years ago. So wow, wow, I did not know that. Double double this week in feet. We're giving the theater goers some serious uh, some serious treats here towards the end of the epi. I didn't know that. So well, I got to bring something to the table. I doubled up on the two segments I only should have had one for. So hopefully you'll have me on again, uh, even though I uh, flew off the rails there off script. That's the best way to podcast, baby. No <laughs> script, no script. All right. Well, enjoy the games this upcoming week. Like I said, enjoy that four course meal. Don't fill up. There's other good. There's other good games, and we're slowly but surely rounding into form, baby. March is just about three weeks away. So. Everyone enjoy the games. Thank you for listening. We'll close the curtains there.